God, may zeal for your house consume us from the inside out today. May we be renewed by your spirit. May we have the kind of um, energy to lean into everything that you're offering us today. And may faith rise in the room, rise in our hearts, rise in our families as we look to you in this brand new year. In the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, we said together, amen. The text under examination this morning is Hebrews 13. So it'll be on this monitors to my right and to my left. And you can also power your phone on or grab your paper Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Every first Sunday of the year that we gather, um, this year, January 7th, as we gather, we, we give you the theme of the year. We give you the theme verse. We give you the vision for the new year ahead of us as a church body. And this year's theme comes out of Hebrews chapter 13. This is what it says in the passage. It says, keep on loving one another. Isn't it sobering to be reminded of such a simple thing? (laughs) Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget, assuming that we do forget, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, Some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. A powerful passage. I want to introduce you to a woman named Beth. Beth has been, was my neighbor for the six years that my wife and I have, seven years that my wife and I have lived back in Indiana. And when my wife and I built our house in 2017, um, we realized that there was a lady that lived just to the north of us, and her name is Beth. And Beth had lost her husband to cancer just a few years earlier. Her vision for retirement was for her and her husband to get a little cottage on a lake in northern Indiana. And so they bought a little cottage in northern Indiana. And her and her husband uh, lived there for a month before he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And when he was diagnosed, he did not live very long. And so she abandoned that vision for retirement and instead moved to central Indiana. And we live in Zinesville. And she, lives, uh, she lived on this little, you know, three-quarter acre lot just to the north of us. A modest little ranch home, and <clears throat> but a, a neat little backyard because she had dogs. She had a lot of dogs, like a lot of dogs. And they, they would bark a lot, like a lot. And she was, she was a sweet lady. About the same time, my wife and I started to build our family and started to have kids of our own. And so it was just, it was a perfect uh, scenario for me to not run into Beth very often. Because like, I'm changing diapers and, you know, she's only outside when she's mowing or, or throwing the ball for her dogs. So we didn't pass each other much, but we passed each other just enough. Just enough for me to get her name, a short snippet of her story, to get her phone number. And then the years went on. In year one and year two of living in our home, in year three and four and five and six and seven of living in our home, and I had really never gotten to know Beth. I didn't think about it much. I didn't really grasp just how uh, lonely Beth could have been or would have been or, or was. Um, she filled her new life with, with some dogs because she lost her husband and her only son lived in, in California and visited about once a year. And only after Beth came up to me about six months ago and said, hey, Luke, just want to let you know that I'm moving. 
I'm like, oh, why is that? She goes, I, I just can't keep up with the maintenance of, of this home and property, and I'm just getting to the age now where I just I need that done for me, and so where I'm, I'm moving just down the road a little bit to a, a, a you know a group deal. It's like, oh wow, Beth, that's that's uh, I'm, I'm happy for you. That's great. And right then, the Holy Spirit took a sledgehammer to my soul and just crushed me with conviction. I said, Luke, you missed your opportunity getting to know this lady. You missed your opportunity to understand her story and her pain and her suffering and her loss of her husband and now her estranged grown son. And she's filled, literally has filled her life with, with canines. And this is how she got by. She had a little pond in her front yard for some, for some koi and she kind of kept herself busy that way. She'd mow, you know, occasionally. And I remember the Holy Spirit striking me right in my soul and saying, you missed your opportunity to get to know her. And so he said, you walk yourself over to that house and you apologize for not building a relationship with her sooner. It was a humbling moment for me because I'm an introvert. And there's something about adulthood that introverts become more introverted, especially when you have children. And my ages are six, four, and two. So like introversion is like my thing. You see, I grew up very social and very outgoing, and I thought I was an extrovert, not understanding until adulthood that I was actually an introvert. Like airplanes, my buds are in the ears. Like I'm not the person. It's just like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Like I'm never going to do that, ever. And so when Beth introduced herself to me when we moved in all those years ago, I thought to myself, oh man, we're having kids now. I don't know if I'm ever going to have time to get to know you. And when she told me seven years later that she was moving, I realized I had time. I just didn't make time for her. I walked over to her house and I knocked on her door and I said, hey, um, I know that uh, we don't know each other super well, but you know, we've lived next to each other for seven years now. And I just wanted to say, I am so sorry for not taking the time to get to know you better and hope you can forgive me. She goes, yeah, of course I forgive you. I was like, phew. Because I thought, you know, I thought this was going to get weird. She was so kind. She was so nice about it. We started chatting a bit. I asked her, you know, what her plans were for her house. She goes, oh, I've got a, a, a friend couple of mine that um, wants to downsize. Their kids are all grown and they want to they downsize into something. I'm like, oh, that's great. And she goes, and Luke, you wouldn't happen to need a mower, would you? And I was like, I do need a mower. She goes, well, mine's for sale. So I was able to buy a mower off of her for like super friendly price. And it was this moment where I realized that I could have walked over there seven years earlier. I could have knocked on Beth's door seven years earlier and invited her into my home for dinner. I could have had my children do something fun for her on Thanksgiving or Christmas. I could have done those things, but I missed my opportunity because I was preoccupied with my own responsibilities and my own, my own life. When the Holy Spirit guided me to go and apologize to Beth for not building a relationship with her, the Holy Spirit said, someone's going to move in here and you are not going to miss your opportunity this time. I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. And so John and Shelly move in. Real nice couple. And right when they move in, um, I'm able to uh, you know, wave at them when they walk there. They have a dog too. Matter of fact, it was one of Beth's dogs that... The dogs just never left, man. I don't know. They had a dog too, and they would walk their dog, and we would wave to them. 
And then at a, a couple weeks before Christmas, after they'd gotten settled for a few weeks, I looked at my, my girls and I said, girls, do you, want to, do you want to write John and Shelley a Christmas card, bake them Christmas cookies and make some Christmas ornaments for them? And of course, Mila and Sia, my, my six and four-year-old, went nuts. They just started making all these ornaments and little cards. We made some cookies for them. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're not going to miss this opportunity this time. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to miss this opportunity this time. And, and so Ash and I were like, we're putting on all of our boots and on Christmas Eve, we're like ready to go out there. We've got our coats on. I don't know if you remember Christmas Eve morning, but Christmas Eve morning was like heavy fog, at least in this part of town. It was just really hazy out. And so I was able to get Shelly's number from Beth who knew her beforehand. And I text, hey, this is your new neighbor, Luke. I want to welcome you to the area. My girls made you a Christmas card and some Christmas cookies they want to bring over to you. Will you be around uh, Christmas Eve morning? She's like, yeah, we'll be, we'll be around that whole morning. I said, great. And so Christmas Eve morning, we get the kids in the little walking stroller and, and we get all decked out in our warmies and stuff and we start going down the driveway and I look to my right and I see John and Shelly with their dog already on their morning walk. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're not going to miss your opportunity this time. So I'm like, John, Shelly! And I start waving my arms to start running the stroller towards John and Shelly and you can see that they were kind of like freaked out slightly by this weirdo running after them with three kids with a thing of cookies in their hands and I'm wearing my Christmas sweater that's really awkward and ugly and I'm running towards John and Shelly in the haze and they see us and I'm like, hey, we've got Christmas cookies and ornaments and, and cards for you and you could just see the gratitude just on their face. You could see how touched they were by such a simple gesture of love and attention and hospitality. It was really easy to have my kids make Christmas cards and Christmas ornaments. It was easy to make Christmas cookies. I had no idea how touching that would be for my new neighbors of John and Shelley. This reveals what I believe is the most lonely time in human history, where we're better connected than we've ever been because of technology, but we're more isolated than ever because of that same technology. Technology is not going to slow down, it is going to speed up. And with the advent of AI and chatbots and now sex bots, there's really no reason to connect with human beings when you can connect with artificial intelligence. After all, it's a lot cleaner. It's not messy because human relationships can get messy. This reveals, in, in my opinion, in my best assessment, there is a group of humans on planet Earth that have a longing. We all long for this deeper connection with one another. Whether we're willing to admit it or voice it or not, we long to connect with one another. And all of you have a Beth in your story, perhaps somewhere. There's someone in your world, in your cul-de-sac or in your office or on your street that is a Beth in your life. They've been there forever, but you've not taken the time to get to know them. They are strangers. They're strangers. Or perhaps you are the metaphorical Beth. You are the one that's living in a measure of isolation or loneliness and you feel the weight of that isolation and that loneliness and you're not sure what to do with this deeper longing to connect with human beings and because technology is so convenient now, you'll just connect with about anything that you can because even unhealthy connection is better than complete disconnection. 
And so humans will connect with whatever they can connect with, connect with, even if it produces death and not life. For those of you in the room this morning who follow Jesus, and this is your home church, my challenge, my call on you for your year in 2024 is to identify your Beth. Is to identify the Beth in your life, the person in your life that you've had relative proximity to for many years, but you've just not taken the time to break through the awkward, stranger-like moments, especially if you're an introvert like me, and push through that discomfort to make a human connection with another person that has a beating heart. And if you are that metaphorical Beth, you are here right now, which means that you're just curious enough about God and his church and the community that God offers to attend a, a New Year's service. Don't miss that. I believe God has you here because he wants to speak to your heart clearly. John and Shelley sent a Christmas card the day after Christmas to our house, and they had taken pictures of my daughter's ornaments that they put on their tree and talked about how much they enjoyed the Christmas cookies. And they said, thank you so, so much for making us feel so welcome on the street. It was just indicative to me of how much people want to be connected with. It doesn't even matter if you are an introvert in the room. It doesn't mean that you don't want to connect with human beings. It just means that you replenish your energy by being in solitude. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're outgoing or social or not. I'm, out, I'm very outgoing and social, but I'm an introvert. I get my energy replenished by solitude. Or if you're an extrovert, like many of you are extroverts, you get your energy replenished by being around people. You're the ones that are on the airplane being like, where are you from? What, you know, what do you do for a living? And you're the people that I put my earbuds into. <laughs> Regardless, all humans long to connect. All human beings want to connect and share life with one another. I want to share with you kind of the first big idea of the morning as we get further into the text is this idea is simple. It's the intentionality is the key to turning a strangers into contacts on your phone. It's that simple. It's intentionality. It's asking your children to bake cookies and make ornaments and cards. And I hope to get to know John and Shelly. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to. They've got that dog, right? Intentionality is the key to turning those strangers that you do not know on your cul-de-sac or on your street or on your sidewalk or in your office space. Intentionality is the key to turn them into contacts on your phone. And so in 2024, if you were intentional and you were only intentional with human beings in your life, what kind of difference could that make for you or for them? This was an important ministry in the early church. In Hebrews, we have what was likely Paul writing to the Israelite nation during a time period in which there was heavy persecution. And that heavy persecution would scatter the Hebrew nation all over the place, and so they would be driven from their homes. And while they were being driven from their homes and living in peripheral areas of that persecution, they would have to depend on the community of believers for hospitality, for food, and for shelter. 
And so there were traveling ministers that got pushed out because of persecution. Poor, the poor could not afford the vacancy rent for, for an inn. We call those motels today. And so there would be a dependency on the community of believers to be hospitable both in home, shelter, and food. We see this again in Titus 1.8 where Christian leaders are called to be lovers of hospitality. That Christians at large and in general have a calling on their life to be hospitable. One of the prerequisites and criteria for church leadership is hospitality. When is the last time you heard about a pastor being removed from their post because they weren't hospitable enough? The hospitality, hospitality value runs deep in the Christian experience and runs deep in the kingdom of God and runs deep in the heart of our God. It says also that the saints are given to hospitality. That is, that we are part of God's plan. And Romans 12, 13 accounts for we are part of God's plan for hospitality. And so by doing these things, as Hebrews tells us in 13, 2, we entertain angels. We entertain angels. What does that mean? Is that just tongue in cheek? Is that, well, of course, we're not actually entertaining angels. I mean, are John and Shelley, my new neighbors, are they actually angels? They have a canine. I don't know if they're actually a loud barking dog. I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's meant to be taken that way. Um, angel means messenger. That's what the actual translation of angel means. And God can speak through whomever he wants to, to us at any time. He spoke through Balaam's donkey in the Old Testament. So he can speak through animals if he wanted to and wants to. And so the reality is that as we break through the discomfort of new relationships and build relationships and rapport with strangers, we are entertaining messages from God to us. Other scholars are like, well, you're also just entertaining angels. Like, you know, it's Friday for the angel. Instead of a movie night, they're going to watch Christian hospitality and love. Like, oh, this is going to be good. Watch them. Watch them. Watch them. Regardless, I don't think it matters. It doesn't change the call. It doesn't change the call that there's this value that the Bible calls entertaining angels in the measure and intentionality of hospitality. I want you to think about this this morning in a whole new way. That being a hospitable person or being someone who says yes to the opportunities that are presented before you could introduce you to new relationships and new insights and fresh revelation from the Lord in 2024 that you didn't experience in 2023. We need each other. And maybe this morning, like the text says, you are the one that feels like a stranger. You're the one that walked in this morning knowing nobody and you feel isolated and you feel lonely and you totally relate to the person of Beth in that opening story. And I know that it can be discomforting to step into a group of people that you don't know. But stepping into a group of people that are real are better, is better, than stepping into an artificial kind of reality 
where the only relationships you have are those on your phone or your iPad or your screens. This is what gaming and social media, although not evil in and of themselves, has ultimately cultivated in the human spirit, is a dependency on the artificial connections. The artificial connections of gaming, not bad in and of itself, but can become something that steers us away from human beings. The artificial connection of pornography, the artificial connection of online dating, the artificial connection of chatbots, and now artificial intelligence sex box. We're seeing people connecting with artificial everything more in this new age than ever because of this advent of AI. As a matter of fact, C.S. Lewis saw this coming. In Mere Christianity, he says, if something is free to be good, it is also free to be evil. And we see artificial intelligence now. We're not quite sure what to do with it. And I see that it's going to be helpful in some measures and standards. And in other measures and standards, it's going to perpetuate human loneliness and human isolation. You see, we are what I would call open-looped creatures. A closed-loop creature would be like an amphibian or a reptile. They don't affect each other emotionally. We do. If I speak words of death over you, I give you the gift of death, and you feel that gift inside of you. If I speak the words of life over you, I give you the gift of life, and you feel those words of life inside of you. We are open-looped creatures. We affect each other emotionally. That's why that silly saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me, is false. It's a myth. It's totally false. It's actually words are some of the most damaging things that can be shared as a gift to one another because we're open-looped creatures. We affect each other emotionally. Physicists even call this quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement means we're connected whether we want to be or not. So when we find ourselves in isolation and loneliness, we feel anxiety and depression because we have disconnected or attempted to disconnect from what God has designed for you, which is to be entangled relationally. This reveals this greater truth that community is your greatest emotional need. It's your greatest emotional need. The church has not necessarily the church doesn't have a reputation necessarily of facilitating this emotional need to be met at every level. And I want that to change in 2024. I want our church to have a reputation of being a praying church and a generous church and a church that facilitates this need very well. Because you have a need of shelter and you have a need of food, but you have a need of emotional, relational connection that can be artificially done with technology, but AI can never be AE. It can never be artificial empathy. It can never be that. It can get some stuff done for you. It might be a helpful tool from time to time. Uh, we use artificial intelligence in many ways in our life already, but the new connection, the new advent, the new trend towards connecting with digital Devices, chatbots, sex box, all these things as an exclusive way to experience community, to quell this deeper longing for community and connection, it's not going to last. It's going to make things worse because it can never be empathetic. It can never be artificial empathy. Community is your greatest 
need. In Galatians 6, 6, 2, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The quantum entanglement of the church. The big way God has designed you to thrive is to be connected to one another, to be entangled emotionally with one another. And my guess is like, Luke, I tried that at my old church. <laughs> I tried that in this other community and it, and it went bad. It went south. It's like, I, I too, dude, I, I get it. I totally get it. But the community of God is not perfect. It just worships a perfect God. And you must remember that the community of God needs mercy and grace like any other group of people on planet earth. And the community of God will make mistakes and will fail from time to time. But the God that the community of God worships does not fail. And his commitment to you and his longing to be near you and with you, that the community that he's presented before you is indicative of what he wants with you as well. Look at the Trinity, the, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Right there, you've got a community. Look at the life of Jesus who had 12 around him that he discipled and set up for missional success all of their adult life. Even of those 12, he had three in the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. Jesus, God in flesh, had community. If you are isolated and you are lonely, you're going to try to quell that isolation and loneliness with either friends that push you away from Jesus or artificial ways that are unhealthy because unhealthy connection is better than complete disconnection. Well, I was a youth pastor for 10 years before doing church leadership and planning a church. I used to always tell our students, show me your five closest friends and I will predict with almost certainty the next five years of your life. I used to say that to them all the time because we could do it. It was actually quite simple you are who you hang out with over time. Now that I minister to and lead and disciple adults, you know what I tell adults? Show me your five closest friends and I will predict with almost certainty the next five years of your life. It is critical that you say yes to Christian community for your soul, for the way God has designed you to thrive Remember, the physicists called it quantum entanglement. We're connected whether you want to be connected or not. And so when you try to disconnect, that's why it feels so bad. That's why it feels so anxiety-filled and depression-filled. That is why in 2024, our church is pivoting and updating our dictionary of language and introducing new opportunities for new connection, for new community. The reality is, is that the, the generation behind mine, I'm a millennial, the generation behind mine, Gen Z, and then behind them, the alpha generation, all have one thing in common that is just going to exasperate in each generation over the other, which is a deeper longing for authentic, sincere human relationships. That the pomp and the polish fade away and the authenticity and sincerity are of a top value of Gen Z and the alpha generation behind them. Becoming a church that's able to reach the younger generations 
ensures that a church will continue to grow and thrive for many, many years and decades beyond now. If you're a millennial or you're older than a millennial, you're in a generation above millennial, we take relationships for granted, but we weren't born with an iPhone in our pocket. We were not shaped and formed technology at the age of two. I did not get my first iPhone until I was a junior in college. That isn't heard of today. Usually they get an iPhone when they're a junior. <laughs> Here's what is true. Here's what is coming. The generations that are millennials and above take relationships for granted. Gen Z and the generations below them long for it beyond any of our wildest comprehension. So becoming a church that facilitates community at every level and is entangled with each other emotionally to be there supporting each other through every season of life is, is the key. In this year of 2024, the new paradigm our church is choosing to operate from is that if you are a guest or you're a visitor to our church, that you would not have to wait longer than three weeks to become connected to something beyond Sunday morning. This is something that we were very challenged with, that we struggled with in 2023. We have repaired that and updated that for, for 2024. So we have four distinct efforts in, in 2024 where we believe that if you were to bring a guest here or you yourself are a guest here, you would not wait longer than three weeks to become connected to something beyond Sunday because it's being offered that frequently. The first effort, which is obvious because you're here, is gatherings. We believe that the church is called to gather and is called to gather regularly. And so we believe that going beyond Sundays is critical, but we also wholeheartedly believe in the importance of actually gathering on Sunday for corporate worship, that we are one body and that one body has to come together in its different parts. And so every Sunday we will gather to worship and to pray, to open God's word, hear from the spirit, to be a unified church, to take communion. My challenge to you is that if this is your home church, don't ever take the bait that someone wouldn't come with you if you were to invite them to a gathering. They might turn you down, but they might not. You lost nothing. Become someone who regularly invites people to gatherings. It was amazing at the end of 2023, the amount of guests I said hello to in our church. Hey, how did you make it here this weekend? Oh, a friend invited me. I heard that at least 50% of the time. Become someone who regularly gathers with your friends and your family on the weekends. Become someone who's like, you know what? It is Sunday morning. I'm going to get myself to worship. I'm going to get myself to worship on time. I'm going to build in a 15-minute buffer so I can socialize with people in the lobby with that fresh local coffee. Become someone who values the gathering to the point where you're like, yo, let's go. Get in the car. We're headed to gather. We're headed to worship. The new effort that we have in 2024, the second greater effort is that of communities. When you walked in this morning, you may have taken time to see the wall out there. The team updated some of our wall language and our wall art. It looks amazing. They did such a great job with that. Communities 
is key in what we've been talking about this whole time. A new effort for 100% of the people of our church are connected to community beyond Sunday. The Bible is the thing that said from the beginning, God said it's not good to be alone. God is the one that says it's not good to be alone. And especially life with God is meant to be practiced and lived with other people and not by yourself. Communities, this brand new effort, are going to be location, time, and demographic based. It's much like our outposts in the past, but we'll get to a little bit more of that here in just a second. But instead, this is communities that share life with no agenda. That there's a sharing of each other's lives in organic settings in people's homes, these communities where people share stories and, and discover new realities about their children and how, what God's called them to do with their lives. And this is where life is shared. The good stuff of life is, is shared. It could be every week. It could be every other week. We currently have four communities operating. You'll see them on the map of Indianapolis on the wall out in the lobby. You'll have to take a look at that later. And we're calling on people that if God's pushing you to open up your home or open up an effort to offer a community that you would say yes to that. A place where you can learn together and grow together and serve together and do life together because it is not good to be alone. It's not good to have artificial connections and artificial community. You can find more about our communities on the app that you've already downloaded on the website and, of course, out with Pastor Nick right after service at the wall. The goal of gatherings is for our church to continue to grow, not bigger for the sake of big church, but for the sake of the lost, because there's so many lost people in Indiana. The goal of communities is to grow tighter amongst each other. Because your greatest emotional need is community. Because you need the person next to you. Because I need you. Because we need each other. Because we are quantumly entangled amongst each other. The third effort is that of courses. We are always being formed by something or someone. The question is, who is it and what is it? What are we learning from? Who are we learning from? Mercy Road Northwest believes that Christ-likeness should be the end goal of spiritual formation and growth. So we engage in learning processes, we're calling courses this year, that take place throughout the year and are staggered in such a way where you will not have to wait more than three weeks to get connected to something beyond Sunday. For example, some of these courses are going to be Bible 101 learning the Bible, to live the Bible. There's going to be an apologetics course. There's going to be courses throughout the year for you to say yes to and register for and bring your community to and bring your family to, to learn and grow in that discipleship effort. You can find more about that online as well. Bible 101 is launching in just here in a few weeks. And then the fourth and final effort is outreach. We believe that the church is called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, which means we believe that going outside the walls of our church building to show the love of God to our neighbors and help nourish our city is part of the call of a Christian community. We are not a social club. We are not a country club. 
We are an empowered people by the Holy Spirit to bring the only message that can matter in someone's life for them to meet God. We have the only message that can bring someone from death to life. For example, we host the Indie Hygiene Hub. Right behind this platform, we have an entire hygiene hub that offers help to families in need. We have a shower trailer that we bought back in 2023. That shower trailer is used to meet the needs of those suffering homelessness. There's many more outreaches uh, in the hopper. And if you feel like you've got a vision for an outreach, we, we want to know. Let Pastor Nick know. We want to start new outreaches. We want to call on you to participate in outreaches. Again, the, the goal of gatherings is for our gathering to grow in number because lost people are saying yes to Jesus. The goal of communities is for us to grow tighter because we're quantumly entangled. The goal of courses is for us to grow deeper in our knowledge and intimacy of God's word and God himself. And the goal of outreach is for us to grow wider in our touch and our impact in the city that our church resides in. All of these have one critical ingredient. All of them have one common denominator. You will not be alone. That is the common denominator in our 2024 vision, is that you will not be alone, that you will not live in loneliness, that you, will not, you won't thrive in loneliness, so exit loneliness by saying yes to the opportunities God has placed right before you. And say yes to the people that God has placed right before your face. And I'm of the belief that if you can say yes to the people and the opportunities that God has placed before you, much of the anxiety that comes with isolation and loneliness will begin to fade in your life as you open yourself up to your stranger neighbor. And this is the way of Jesus. When we were children, when I was a kid, I knew no strangers. It's only in adulthood that we become jaded and we begin to learn and know strangers. Isn't it interesting that Jesus knows no stranger? Even if that person doesn't know Jesus, Jesus knows that person intimately well. If Jesus knows no stranger and we're called to follow Jesus and be like Jesus and embody and model the practices of Jesus, may we be a community that says, I don't have stranger in my vocabulary. I am willing and open to making sure all strangers become contacts in my phone. Yeah, come on. The key for Christian community that the world does not offer is that of empathy. The John Acuff defines empathy this way. Empathy is to care about what the people you care about care about. This is what artificial intelligence cannot give you. This is what isolation and loneliness cannot give you. It is empathy. It is not a soft or weak word. It is a powerful, potent word of the kingdom of God to care about what the people you care about, care about. Empathy is a community's most powerful fuel. And if you have had a negative experience in a Christian community, it's likely you had a run-in with someone who was not empathetic. And I have empathy for you because I have run into people who are not empathetic. And I have been a someone who's not been empathetic. But by God's grace and mercy, he can continue to cultivate and build up a community that is empathetic, that you could say yes to, to keep showing up to. I've had a bad experience with Chick-fil-A once. 
They forgot like half my order that I paid for. I keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up to the people, to the opportunities that God is putting right in front of your face. And you're like, where's God? Look right in front of your face and see who he's placed there or what opportunities he's placed there. He's like, hello, Bueller. And he's asking you to look right in front of you. Now, some of you are going to have this impulse. You're like, oh, that's, that's great, Luke. However, you don't understand. Like, I can't make decisions. I'm paralyzed by making decisions. Like, there's all these communities available. Now there's new courses available, new friendships. I don't know. Like, I just, it just sounds too much. Look, I would say that there are two types of people in 2024, okay? Those who are willing to say yes or no, or those who remain indecisive. Because no is not the enemy of yes. Indecision is. I want to say that again for those of you who are indecisive. No is not the enemy of yes. Indecision is. And some of you are going to hear this word given from God's word, and you're going to be like, I don't know what to do with that. Listen. Listen, God has opened up so many doors and windows for you. It is your job to walk through them. He is not going to force you. He's not going to kick you. He's not going to yell at you. He's not going to pull you. He's going to invite you. And you will have to be the kind of person that receives an invitation from God. You will have to grow into the kind of person like, yeah, I love receiving invitations from God. That's awesome. So if this is your home church, the call on your life, the call on your year is to turn strangers into contacts. We've talked about that. You know no stranger. You're a Christian. Stranger is not in our vocabulary. But if you are that metaphorical Beth and you're lonely and you're isolated, I want you to say Yes to the many opportunities that are presented to you this morning. That of communities, that of courses, and most importantly, that of Jesus. Because Jesus does not want to meet with you and you alone in perpetual isolation. Your relationship with the Lord is very personal, but never in scripture is it private. It is always entangled in the community of believers the quantum entanglement where we depend on each other to be there for each other, to have each other's backs when times are good and when times are not good. And it will be a church just like Mercy Road Church Northwest to facilitate a community in the Northwest part of Indianapolis to meet a greater longing, that of community and friendship and connection that is not artificial, but that is real just like the offer that Jesus makes to all of us, that he offers himself, not the artificial Jesus, not some metaphorical Jesus, but the person of God, Jesus himself, his spirit is offering himself in invitation to you. Become someone who rejects indecision, who is capable and strong enough to say yes or no. And may you have the courage this year to turn 
strangers into contacts and say yes to invitations. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? God, thanks for how your word strikes at our heart. Thanks for how your word convicts us in the deepest parts of who we are as as human beings. God, there are so many of us this morning that are trapped in perpetual isolation and loneliness and so anxiety and depression are just a natural byproduct of that, God. But we want something so much more. We long for community. We long for human connection. We are open-looped creatures. We affect each other emotionally. We are quantumly entangled, whether we want to be or not. We know, God, that you have offered your family to all people. And so I pray, Jesus, that for everyone in the room, that this is their home church, that they would put their flag in the ground. They would dig their heels into the sand and say, yes, I know no stranger. That is not in my vocabulary. I turn strangers to contacts on my phone because I say yes to every person and every opportunity that God puts in front of my face. And Jesus, for those in the room that are lonely and that are isolated, that are on the fence about joining a community or a local church, would you gently remind them that your invitation is an invitation? It's not pushy. It's not forced. It's not loud. It's an invitation. So Father, I pray that you would invite any and all people in this space under the sound of my voice this morning into a family, into a community, and into a relationship with you, Lord, that brings new meaning to their life, that brings the dead parts of their past alive in the present, where they become a better, more perfected version of themselves in your spirit, Jesus, that they would follow you all the days of their lives, that they would thrive in Christian community, that they would go deeper in courses and learn more about you to live for you in more meaningful ways. And God, we pray that we would be a people that would reach out beyond our walls, beyond our comfort zones to meet the needs of a city whose greatest need is emotional connection and community and a family that you offer. So Father, would you empower us Would you equip us? Would your spirit fill us? Would we have renewed conviction? Would we have fresh, strong resolve that this vision of entertaining angels, that of hospitality, become a a value of this church, so obvious, so given, that we just kind of forget about it because it's just part of our normal rhythms of being a church, that we are a hospitable people, that we are an intentional people, Yes, God, we're grateful and we're thankful for your invitation of love. And we love you so much. Amen.